Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to transform their romantic relationships by transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, you're single, or you're heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationships with themselves through their bodies, breaths, and minds. I have now coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. In today's episode, I welcome Jeff Gunther to the podcast, and I am very excited about this. Jeff is a licensed professional counselor in Portland, Oregon, practicing since 2005. His focus includes working with both couples and individuals, but alongside therapy, Jeff dedicates, and you might know this, his spare time creating short videos for TikTok and Instagram. TikTok, he's got close to 3 million followers, Instagram close to a million, and he hosts his weekly podcast, Big Dating Energy. And you can also pre-order his new book, also titled Big Dating Energy. I mean, he's just so fantastic. We've become friends offline. And I was on his podcast recently and I just was such a delight to interview him. And we get into all sorts of topics, dating, what we think has gone wrong with the apps, what's going on from the male perspective when they're looking at provocative accounts, how to kind of address that. And the difference between red flag chemistry and green flag chemistry and you know, we get a little personal and talk about a few of his wildly popular videos. And the thing about him, he's kind of like therapist, but also comedian. <laughs> it's really cool. So I do think that you are going to very much enjoy this. And so here we go. Hi, Jeff. Welcome. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy to see you again because I was just on your podcast and I think we had a really great conversation. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to continue. Yeah, me too. That was one of my favorite conversations so far. So I appreciate I, well, you coming I'm on. I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to dive right into it. This is something that I've actually wanted to ask you for so long, just what your thoughts were on this. And mm -hmm. I have a feeling that you probably get a lot of people asking you this question. So it's mostly women mm -hmm. and it's mostly women who date men. I would say it's actually all women and all women who date men <laughs> who, who, <laughs> who submit this question to me, which is how do I deal with someone who I'm dating or starting to date? And I notice that he follows some quote unquote provocative accounts on social media. How do I deal with that? I think it's a hard question to answer because first of all, what would one consider to be provocative? So I think that we need to define what that is. And then I would just love to know your take on how one has that kind of conversation, number one. And number two, like, is it a red flag? Is it something that you can communicate about and work through it? What I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. I'm sure you've gotten this question before. Oh, yeah. It's also, it's one of my like top asked questions uh, ever since I started posting as therapy, Jeff, so many, and I, and I, for some reason, avoided it, avoided like making a video or answering this question for a really long time, because I think it's a little complicated and there's some layers and there isn't just one right answer. But after getting asked this question over and over and over and over, I eventually kind of came to, I came to an answer that like felt good to me. And I think resonated with a lot of people, but maybe the guys <laughs> uh, didn't quite agree with what I said. But it's it's funny because there's like provocative. So we can talk maybe about like what 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 pr provocative is, and also about the different platforms. So like on Instagram, right? You have to like deliberately, I guess not a hundred percent, but you typically are like deliberately following accounts. You're choosing which accounts to follow on TikTok. 
you can do that as well, but it's more of like daddy algorithm is feeding you mm -hmm. what they think they mm -hmm. want you to see. So mm -hmm. you can, like, if you start to interact with a lot of like provocative accounts on TikTok, it'll just feed you that. Instagram, you have to kind of like seek them out yourself. Mm. So there's that difference. I feel like TikTok can sometimes like reveal to you who you really are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, Instagram is more curated. Yeah, because you're kind of like the TikTok thing. Uh, right. Yeah, that's where I got started. <laughs> well, in that space, you know, even though I'm on TikTok, it's just not where a lot of my focus has been. But yes, it would seem that it does reveal who you are. And whereas yeah. Instagram, you have more control over what it is that you see and what you don't see. Yeah. Instagram is changing that a bit. They're a little bit more like TikTok where they're like suggesting a lot of reels yeah. or videos or pictures or whatever. It's tricky because I want, well, first of all, I want whoever, like if we were talking to the woman here, to the girlfriend, typically, I wanted like 100% validate their emotional experience and also acknowledge that like maybe it's connected to some sort of, or it's most likely connected to some sort of insecurity. And that insecurity has been given to them by our culture, by society, by TV, by Hollywood, by their peers, by consumerism, fashion, right? So there's all these messages that women and men, but we're talking about women. So there's all these messages that women are getting like throughout their entire lifetimes that they need to look hotter, they need to look sexier, they need to be really seductive, and their value is based on how they look and all oh, this yes, stuff. Oh, yes, I am aware. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think that the guys, I don't think that the boyfriends in these situations really think about that much at all. Like, mm -hmm. they don't take that into consideration. They can, like, quickly label their girlfriend as being really overly sensitive, trying to, like, control their social media, trying to uh, make them feel guilty or stop them from doing something that's, like, not even that big of a fucking deal. A lot of times the guys defend themselves. The boyfriends are being like, what's that? Like, who cares? This is just a photo. I'm just liking it. There's yeah. no, what's yeah. the issue here? Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to minimize the girlfriend's feelings and experience because it's sort of like, and it, and it, and inside the girlfriend, like they are most likely feeling like they're being like, too much or mm -hmm. too sensitive. So there's already this like narrative that's been created by society and everything that like you shouldn't feel jealous and that if you are jealous or feeling insecure, then you're weak, you're unattractive, there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So it's all stacked up against them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's what's going on like at the base level that I don't think is talked about as much. I agree. And one thing that I want to add to that before you go mm -hmm. on, because this is so invaluable I also think it's like, where do we draw the line between, oh, it's no big deal versus what I am witnessing in this person is actually low character and something that is not actually in alignment with my values. So I think that's a really hard line to draw. This episode is sponsored by Lomi. Now that I finally invested in a Lomi, it has changed the way I deal with my food waste. Lomi is the biggest innovation in the modern day kitchen since the dishwasher. It is a smart and simple solution to turn food scraps into plant food, which is amazing. It's like turning garbage to cold. <laughs> Seriously, in just four hours, Lomi transforms almost anything you eat into nutrient-rich plant food at the push of a button. So first of all, it helps cut the chore of taking out the trash in half. It eliminates bugs and odors in your kitchen. And here's a bonus. You get to feed your lawn or garden or whatever it is that you have with all natural fertilizer that you just created out of your food scraps. It's really genius. Now, Lomi has a new app that lets me track my environmental impact, earn points for every cycle, and redeem for freebies from Lomi and other great brands. It's so genius. And it really just has helped me turn my home into a climate solution. And like I said, now I can transform my organic waste into nutrient-rich Lomi earth that I can feed to my plants, lawn, or garden, because I am starting to have plants and all of that, and I love it, instead of sending it to a landfill. Also, Lomi promises to bring you the best possible experience every time you run a cycle. They are one of the only kitchen appliances that has a full, no questions asked, 
lifetime warranty on all devices. And they don't stop there. Lomi looks after you from day one and beyond. When you purchase a continued subscription, you'll automatically get upgraded to a new Lomi device every three years. It's really just wonderful. Whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash onlove and use the promo code onlove to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi, L-O-M-I dot com slash onlove and use promo code onlove at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. I think another thing is that a lot of the women who've come to me about this, what I have had to point out to them is, in what way are you complicit in this entire machine? In other words, in what way are you posting on social media things that you know are going to give you validation because of how you look? Or when you go out, with your girlfriends, without your man, like, how are you behaving? And I think that this is just the larger context of like, where do we draw the line between like, what is actually okay? And -hmm. what is not okay within the realm of a relationship? But please continue. But I wanted to add that. I mean, (laughs) that's really complicated, right? It is. Um, Yeah. Women are, are going to be complicit in some sort of way. And and, and they've been told that, like, if you're going to be maybe of value or interesting or if someone, like, should pay attention to, then you should dress in a sexy, sort of provocative, attractive sort of way. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, then they're devalued. So it's like, do you play the game at all? Do not. Like, if you are complicit, does that mean that you then can't have a reaction to your boyfriend following these, like, hot models or whatever on Instagram? Does that make it so that, like, you're canceling out yourself? And so, like, this is, uh, I feel like this should be, like, a podcast series because there's, like, so many. There's so many layers. Well, let's choose a layer and go for it. Here's something that I would share. I've just been lucky that the men who I've been with, like, they're just, like, not into that right? On social media. They're just not very present on social media anyway. I mean, who knows what they're doing? I mean, whatever. But I just, (laughs) I don't really think. But if I were to meet a guy and a man, I should say, I don't really date guys anymore. But if I were to meet a man and I noticed that he was following accounts in my eyes that were clearly provocative, meaning the only purpose of that woman's account is to show herself. Basically, it's like soft porn. Mm -hmm. It's to show herself basically as naked as she possibly can. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's almost like, I don't see that there's much of a difference between that and going to a strip bar. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to see that he was following those, like this, not someone who's like actually is contributing to the world, but also like once in a while shows like a cute little like (laughs) mini skirt shot or whatever. (laughs) But like really, like I would be so turned off. I would just be incredibly turned off. But how do we have the conversation about it? That's funny because I, whenever I post about this, a lot of women in the comments say exactly that, that if they're dating somebody and that guy's following a bunch of those accounts and it just gives them like the major ick, it's really hard for them to kind of like rebound after that, uh, seeing them in like a more positive light. Like it feels like such a red flag. And it also might be like, I don't talk about like evolutionary psychology that Mm -hmm. much, but this could maybe be tapping into that, right? Like evolutionarily, like women had to be like looking really sexy in order to like attract the man to reproduce, yada, yada. And if they see that like a man is going to be like distracted by a lot of other like hot chicks out there, then they're going to be like instantly turned off. Like that doesn't feel safe. They're not this man isn't going to stay with me. This doesn't feel secure. They could like leave me. So like that probably is connected to some sort of evolutionary psychology thing. And I think absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it just it feels unsafe. Uh, Mm -hmm. It feels unsafe. It also feels disrespectful. It reflects the man's values, right? And so you get kind of like a good idea of who this person is, or at least like sort of like a part of who they are. So usually my take on this is for the girlfriend to talk to the boyfriend and let them know that when you like these pictures and these accounts and you follow them, it makes me feel 
whatever. It makes me feel mm-hmm. X. It makes me feel bad about myself. It makes me feel insecure. It makes me feel like I don't look like these women. So it makes me feel like you're not actually attracted to me. So you just talk about like the emotional experience that you're having. And then I would also suggest like asking First, like before you ask them to maybe like stop following them or stop liking these photos, ask them like, do you understand where I'm coming from? Do you get my emotional Mm. experience? Can you sort of like empathize with how I'm feeling? They can like try to get into your shoes and understand what your experience is and then go ahead and make the request for them to stop following them. That's up to you if you want to make that request or if you just want to like let them know what your emotional experience is and then hopefully they make a decision that is in alignment with the relationship. And if they don't, then that's even more information for you. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I don't know, like I feel, I think a green flag would be if you don't even have to ask them to unfollow and they were just like, no problem, whatever makes you feel more comfortable. Like you're right, like it is sort of like a low vibe for me. You know, it's kind of low vibrations that Mm -hmm. I looked for like when I'm bored or lonely and I am going to unfollow. And I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's a very difficult thing. I also think that, you know, we have to really acknowledge the fact that these accounts do provide a temptation that is very similar to pornography, that is very similar to a strip joint. And I think that men need to ask themselves, like, is this who I want to be? Is this actually part of my value system? Do I want this kind of temptation? I remember speaking to a male friend of mine and him being like, He was very disciplined and he was just like, I don't look at porn. I don't look at any of these things because I understand the fragility of just the human mind. And I understand like how it can, as a man, it could easily in a weak moment, I could go there and then where's the return back? And so he just Mm -hmm. doesn't do it. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. We also like, I'm not here to like defend that guy, but I'm, Mm -hmm. but I want to like, understand the context of where they're coming from. So like they might have been boys that have been raised in this sort of like pornography culture where Mm -hmm. porn and all these sorts of photos were like really easily accessible. And there is maybe like a developmental age when you're a kid, a teenager, where your like brain is just like looking for this stuff. Your hormones are raging. You're so fucking horny. You can't not look for it all over the place. Yeah, and that's part of life, right? It's part of it. It's very developmentally appropriate. And that's maybe that's hopefully when like other people will start like talking to that kid being like, yeah, this is super appealing. And I get why you're feeling this and why you're attracted to these photos. And let's talk about what it's doing to you and how it's like helping to shape how you view women. And do you want to view them? Like, does it match your value? Like you can have this conversation with a 14 year old. Yeah. It would be maybe really uncomfortable for them, but (laughs) it's important. But how many of these 14-year-old, 13-year-olds are having that conversation? 2%, 5% of them, if, right? Yeah. If, like, yeah, exactly. So there's this sort of like arrested development in like the adolescent stage of brain development where these men are still, and, and the social media, like the women, the social media, the tech bros who are creating all these apps, They know that these get views. They know that this sells ads. So like the social media and technology has not allowed these boys who never got that talk to grow up and grow out of this shit. Mm -hmm. And now this conversation that they should have got from like a caring parent or something is now on you, the girlfriend, (laughs) to have this conversation with a 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old. And it's so embedded The neural pathways are so thick in their brains that they're going to be defensive. They're going to feel ashamed, but not even be able to get in touch with that shame. Yeah. It's very difficult. So like, yes, I want you to be like, this is how I feel. And then I want that guy to reflect on what's important to him and to stop fucking following these accounts without you asking him. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen most of the time. I think you do need to ask that guy And you most likely will need to have multiple conversations, which is like, I understand, icky, red flags all over the place. And it's not your responsibility, but it's sort of the situation. Well, I appreciate you adding for the audience the sort of male psychology behind that, because I think that's important and something that you're, as a man, more qualified to talk about. What I would just say is 
I do think if you are in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, and he's following not one, but several, I do think that's a red flag. I think that Mm -hmm. you can consider that as a red flag if, this is important, if you conduct your life in such a way that you have a strong value system. So you can't allow your jealousy, regardless of where it comes from, when I am, as a woman, I am very well of the conditioning. You cannot allow your jealousy to run the show if you yourself are not living your life in according to your values. In other words, if, like I said, if you're out with your girlfriends and you're flirting with a bunch of dudes for validation while your guy is at home and yet you're telling him you don't want him to follow a bunch of provocative accounts, I think there's a hypocrisy there. So I want to empower women to say exactly what Jeff said, like, this is how I feel. I feel uncomfortable about it. And I think that adding the value thing, like I'm the kind of person who really values A, B, C, and D. And this is like the kind of relationship I want to build. I don't want that in my life. And you're either on board or you're not. And just so you know, I'm not going to post a bunch of pictures of myself in a bikini. And when I'm out, I will never be out without you and speaking to a man in a way that I would not speak to if you were not, if you were right there, right in front of me. Like, so I think that speaking to like what you are also committed to is important. And that kind of firmness and certainty in your delivery, I think is either going to scare the shit out of the wrong guy and he's going to run, or it's going to maybe the quote unquote better right guy or the right guy for you right then and there is going to at least say, you know what? Fine. All good. This episode is sponsored by Oak Essentials. I am pretty excited to share with you about a really great skincare brand, Oak Essentials. Oak Essentials line is full of luxurious products that really work, especially if you are trying to achieve that natural, no makeup look, which is something that I really, really love personally. Oak Essentials aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a really dewy glow, which I love. So the Oak Essentials approach to aging is to help you look and feel your best really at any age. So you can buy, by the way, the moisture-rich balm on its own or as part of one of Oak's Essentials best-selling bundles for a simple start-to-finish skincare routine. Not to mention, it makes the perfect gift for any skincare lover in your life. They really do use the best ingredients. They use organic coconut, cocoa seed butter, organic coconut oil, sea buckthorn fruit oil. It's just all natural and beautiful. So stop putting toxins on your skin. Seriously, there's so many ways to make your skin look great without putting toxins on it. And start seeing your dream complexion with Oak Essentials. I'm calling it 2024 is the year of the natural head-to-toe glow. My followers will get 15% off their first order when they use code Jillian at checkout. That's 15% off your first order. Oak Essentials, O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com, promo code Jillian. Go ahead and treat yourself from luxurious skincare to meaningful self-care. You deserve it. Switching gears. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Because I think it's kind of related, but it's the reverse. My favorite video of yours, I love all your videos, but one that really I was like, oh my God, this is so good, was your commentary on the Jonah Hill situation. Mm -hmm. And you did a whole creative thing, which I'm assuming you did on TikTok and then shared it on Instagram because it was, yeah. The Jonah Hill thing is an interesting thing because he was using classic therapy speak, basically what is in the current pop, you know, psychology Mm -hmm. sidekites of boundaries and this and that to quote unquote confront his soon to be ex-girlfriend or girlfriend. And I loved that you as a therapist called it out as bullshit Mm -hmm. and that basically a spiritual bypass. So I'd love to discuss that with you because I think that one of the things that's really great about mental health being at the forefront of social media is that people are becoming a lot more aware 
of their stuff. They are mm-hmm. being like, wow, maybe that does have to do with my dad or my mom. Like things that like we, at least when I was growing up, like that was not talked about at all. Like when mm-hmm. I was in my teenage years, my twenties, even in my early thirties, like we weren't talking about this. And I was part of a yoga community that was very, very quote unquote self-aware and, you know, all mm-hmm. the mind, body, spirit stuff, but we weren't talking about this. And so I love that these younger generations are, but also they're weaponizing it. Everyone's a narcissist. I'd like to take a moment to really dissect the Jonah Hill thing, honestly, (laughs) because what people I think need to realize is that the way that he communicated was not a way to communicate, is not relationally intelligent. It was actually relationally Mm -hmm. very dumb. Mm -hmm. And so... Take it away, Jeff. <laughs> that video, it's just to give you like a little transparency on like uh, how I made that video, I guess, or my yeah. thinking about it was it was a Friday late afternoon at the end of the week. And this Jonah Hill thing just sort of popped off on the Internet and his girlfriend at the time, but now currently ex-girlfriend. I mean, they dated two years ago. This was like text messages from when they dated and then mm-hmm. they broke up this like goes off on like late friday and i'm just like oh this is a thing oh this is interesting oh this is in alignment with like things that i've said i'm gonna go ahead and make a real quick video mm-hmm. and i like made it i didn't really script it out like i typically do script it out and just like threw it up on the internet and then i left for the night because i was going out to dinner and i was gonna go meet up with some friends and then later that night i was like oh shit it went viral mm-hmm. and that's when i was like ah, oh, i wish i would have been like slightly more thoughtful about it. The thing that, and we're, and I want to get into it, but one of the things that hit me that had never like hit me before was like, I stand behind what I say and we'll talk about what I said, but I also felt like all of a sudden I took this private conversation, what Jonah Hill thought was a private conversation between him and his girlfriend and two exploited years ago. It. And I and exploited <laughs> it. <laughs> and I was also like, before this, I was also a Jonah Hill fan. Like, I like mm. his acting. I like his comedy. Me too. Right? It wasn't until all this came out and then he's his sort talented. of... Yeah, yeah, he's very talented. I was, and then other people were like, oh, he's actually a dickhead. And here's like other reasons why. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I'm I don't sure have to be... I'm sure there's a lot of talented people who are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there was this weird, icky feeling of like, I just used this private text message. And then it went by. And then like news stations called me. And then Sarah... His ex-girlfriend contacted me. No. Through a DM, through Instagram, because she had already been following me. And so I was her like favorite online therapist, as I should be. And then (laughs) she messaged me. She was like, oh my God, my favorite online therapist, like commented on my thing. I'm so amazed. And then we had this sort of back and forth. And I was like, oh, I'm so weirdly intimately tied into this. Tied into this. Yeah, I get that. That like, it's making me like, would I have posted it in the first place? Probably. But I did not like the attention. And then I went on my own personal journey of life. I have ex-girlfriends and I have text messages with them. And did I say anything that could have been like, I'm a therapist that talks about therapy speak all the time and all the wonderful things about it. I must have had moments in my text messages where I said something not okay. So then I was thinking of like, are there ex-girlfriends that might be still mad at me? And then I sort of didn't respond to anybody for three days. That was like content. I like passed up all these media opportunities because I felt like deeply uncomfortable about it. And then I started getting death threats. Oh God, really? Yeah. So then there was like, because it went so viral and because that went on for like a week or something, there was a bunch of men who were defending Jonah Hill and being like, Jonah Hill and all the rest of the men should tell their girlfriends not to post bikini pictures of themselves, even if they are surfers and this is what they do as a profession. This is not okay. And you're coming out against Jonah Hill. And I hope you fall out of a window. I hope that you die from cancer. I hope okay, that that's like, awful. That's awful. Right. But I yeah. think it's interesting and pertinent to this conversation because we're seeing the other perspective, men and right. how they feel about women doing it. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's so interesting. So you questioned your integrity. I questioned my integrity. I didn't feel that great about it. I actually, so like two months ago, I got a letter from the Oregon Board of Licensed Professional Counselors and they said, 
somebody has filed an official complaint against you as a therapist. And I've been a therapist for like 20 years. Nobody's ever filed a complaint against me. And I was like, oh God, what is this? Have you been a therapist since your early 20s? Since I was, yeah, 23. Oh my God. I I can't imagine going to a 23-year-old therapist. I wouldn't have listened to you, but that's impressive (laughs) anyway. But yeah, but you wouldn't have. Anyway. And that's why I only counseled 12-year-olds when I was yeah. 23. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. That's smart. That's mm-hmm. smart. Very yeah. smart. Um, and there was an official complaint made because of this video that I made about Jonah Hill. And the complaint was that I like, it was a stupid complaint that was quickly thrown out. But the complaint was like, I was using my quote unquote celebrity to diagnose a public figure and Licensed therapists are not allowed to diagnose anybody except for their private clients. I was I not see. diagnosing him. I was just no, saying that he not. was using the word boundaries incorrectly. Yes. So this thing has like followed me in these oh, really God, weird ways. Oh, God, and here I am following you with it oh, even more. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I like that we're like transparently talking about it. Yeah. I just think that the backstory, the sort of like journey that I went on is interesting. I think um, it's very interesting. Yeah, and I'm not avoiding answering the question because I, yeah. No, I think this is very interesting. Let me tell you why I loved it. Well, first of all, my assumption was that this was already very much in the news and that you sure. were commenting on something that m- many other people were commenting on. So I had no idea that you felt like, okay, like I did this, the cat's out of the bag. I thought the cat was way out of the bag and you were commenting on something that was already very much in the media. To me, it was already very much in the media, but my video took it to some other level. And then I was like, whoa, I'm not prepared for this. Yeah, Uh, I get that. I get that. But I stand by my message. (laughs) So, So let's talk about the message. Yeah, it also like... The thing that made this even more of a letdown was that Jonah Hill just months ago before this, I think, came out with that documentary on Netflix. I'm aware with his therapist. Yes, With his therapist. That was actually, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's good things and bad things about that documentary. It doesn't matter. But he was like, I'm such a proponent of therapy. And look at me. I'm like, or at least trying to be a very evolved man that Mm -hmm. understands how their past affects their present and how they show up in relationship, all this stuff. And so we're like, yay. But this is my beef with therapy. Okay, let's see. Let's hear it. And that is, I think it's important to learn in your therapy office or coach office, whatever, how to actually be a high functioning person and not just talk about your childhood all day long and how it impacted you. One of the things that I think that most people are missing, myself included, I can improve on this too. Like there, I think that's a very small percentage of people on this planet who are truly gifted in their social skills. Mm. And I think that what's important and what was so important about what you pointed out is that having that level of awareness and being able to say these words like boundaries and whatnot in many ways, is meaningless if you don't know how to actually communicate in a way that isn't grandiose. And the problem with Jonah Hill's comment or whatever, and and let's even shelve Jonah Hill, the problem with a lot of people's comments when they start to talk to someone else, like they all of a sudden, you can tell that they've been therapized. And that's the person that who I think really is problematic. Someone who is so therapized and they can say those words like boundaries and this and that, but they are totally missing the mark in Mm -hmm. how to connect with the other person in a way that isn't coming from a place of grandiosity Mm -hmm. or even coming from a place of low self-esteem, but really communicating something. To me, there was only weakness in his message. Mm -hmm. And the weakness was, I feel so insecure that I'm going to tell you exactly, you know, this is my work in therapy and I'm going to prove it to you as opposed to in all fairness to Jonah Hill and anyone else who might be defending him. We don't know the backstory. We don't know how many conversations they've had. So just to point out to the audience, we are literally, this isn't anything personal against him. We're using Jonah Hill and the video that Jeff made with of him and his ex-girlfriend as literally just an example, Mm -hmm. which is that, That is not how you communicate with someone if you want it to go well. 
Right. Yeah, 100%. And he was, like you're saying, he's using therapy speak, and boundaries is a term, like is therapy speak. And he was using the word boundaries in an incorrect way. And he was using it as like a power move. And so he was saying, it's my boundary for you to, you cannot post pictures of yourself while you're surfing. Also, like, I don't want you to like go surfing with these men who like maybe want to be with you. I don't want you to like spend time with friends that like don't have your best interests in mind when it comes to like you being in a relationship with me. And like you said, he should have just started with like, I feel insecure and that's it. That's mm-hmm. where he should have just ended it. But instead, he was like, this is, so he tried to have like power over her. It's funny because this like therapy speak comes with weight now because there's been like these, this shift in culture when it comes to therapy and how it's like not as stigma anymore. And before in the 80s and 90s and even like 2000s, therapy speak was called psychobabble. And you were like, I remember that's like right? something my mom used all the time. <laughs> uh huh. Like, uh-huh. oh, fucking psycho babble. And you were immediately yeah. dismissed. And now yes. it's the opposite that if you like use these therapy terms, you're not dismissed and you better be fucking taken seriously. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So I like that there's been a shift, but <laughs> in cases like Jonah Hill, I don't even think that like his experience of insecurity is not problematic. Like, we're all going to feel insecure. He just needed to, like, express that emotion or experience differently. Also, this is a complete assumption, but I think it, like, works for lots of guys like this. That, like, I imagine that Jonah Hill and Jonah Hill types are really attracted to these women and all of the, like, pictures that they're putting on Instagram and, you know, looking really hot and sexy and cute. And then they start dating them and then there's a problem. Oh, so the well, thing that's a that, very like, common thing. Yes. Right? Now you're trying to control them. The thing that, mm-hmm. like, initially attracted you to them and you're trying to change them. And it's just like, ugh, that's a part that I really didn't like. Bingo. I think people do that to each other in general. I think that people right. are often... I'm so glad you mentioned this. And I think that this is really important because... One of the biggest problems that I see in couples is that they're unconsciously trying to change each other all the time. And the paradox is that, or the irony, I should say, is the very thing that attracts us to someone could become the very thing that we want to change in them. Right. Right. So we're drawn to this energy. We're drawn into something. And some would say that we're drawn to something in them that we have repressed inside ourselves. And so if we're in a relationship with them and we don't honor it within ourselves, all of a sudden that thing that we found really attractive and sexy becomes a threat Mm -hmm. and it starts to make us feel very uncertain. And then we try to change it. And I think this is a fundamental problem in human relationships and dynamics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And there's some things that maybe could or should change in relationships. So like if you're attracted to somebody because they're so good at flirting with you and they're Mm -hmm. such a big flirt, then that makes sense that you're pulled into that flirty energy. And then if you end up in like a relationship, a monogamous committed relationship with them, but they're still being flirty with other people outside of your relationship, you could be like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, you could be like, well, that's who they are. That's what initially attracted. But that behavior probably should change unless you agreed that like flirtation is an okay thing relationship, whatever. In this case, like Jonah Hill is attracted maybe to like Sarah being a, like a professional surfer and he started to learn how to surf as well. It would be very unfair for him to be like, I don't want you to surf or this is how you're going to surf or these are the types of yeah, clothes you're going to wear while you're surfing. Yeah. It's just like you knew what we yeah, were getting You knew what you yeah. were getting into. I mm-hmm. think that's an important message for everyone. Like If you know what you're getting into and you're choosing that, you cannot attempt to change or control the person once you're in a relationship with them. Okay, now I want to talk to you about every plate. In 2024, every plate is a company that you can really count on to make mealtime easier without compromising on quality. This is something that's incredibly important to me. Every plate recipes include only the highest quality ingredients, including sustainably sourced seafood that meets the Monterey Bay Aquarium seafood rankings. So you know your meals will be fresh, flavorful, and responsible. I have made the sustainable choice this January, 
every plate offsets 100% of their delivery emissions and their meals have a 31% lower carbon footprint on average than supermarket meals of the same portion. Plus, nearly all packaging materials are curbside recyclable in most areas in the U.S., which is fantastic. So stop stressing over what's for dinner, because I know I do. Every plate provides plenty of delicious variety with more than 25 tasty and affordable recipes that change every week. So it's easy to find something flavorful and satisfying for every meal of the day. You know, you can have breakfast 24-7, 15 minute or less meals, you know, feel good food and even more delicious options to your order with over 25 convenient sides, breakfast items, lunches, snacks, desserts, and more. I've just been really enjoying it. So get a meal for $1.49 plus $1 steaks for life by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code 49Jillian. Subscription must be active to qualify and redeem the $1 steak. Get started with every plate for just $1.49 per meal plus dollar steaks for life by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code 49Jillian. Subscription must be active to qualify and redeem a dollar stake. You wrote a book, Big Dating Energy. What inspired you to write about dating? That wasn't my first idea. Okay. <laughs> because you most likely experience this as well. Like you start making content and then eventually you get big enough and then like literary agents are like, crawling all over you. And eventually maybe you talk to some and then you find one that you like. And that's what I did. And my literary agent, Adriana, was like, what do you want to write about? And I was like, I want to write like a self-help memoir. I want to talk about like all the things that I went through as a kid into an adult and be a good storyteller and have these sort of like lessons that I learned that maybe you will resonate with. And Adriana was like, great, this is fantastic. And then I sat down to try to outline that book. And I was like... Write a fucking memoir. Writing a <laughs> memoir is incredibly difficult. Like yes. what? A huge yeah. So and difficult to sell. Difficult to sell. And there's right. also like yeah. I'm all about emotional work and I'm in therapy. I've gone to therapy for mm-hmm. most of my life. But there's almost kind of like there's a new sort of different type of emotional work you have to do when you write a memoir. There are so many things that you have to confront about yourself and so much anger that you have to work through. And if you write a memoir and you're the narrator and you're just like an angry fucking asshole that you think is really justified, it's not going to resonate. It's not going to work. You really have to have processed that. We've talked about this offline a little bit, but I'm in the process of writing my book. And it's not a memoir, though I do add some personal anecdotes uh, from my marriage. And mm. it's interesting because this was something that I've been planning to write for a while, but I really feel ready to write it now because when I talk about some painful moments in my marriage, I really don't have any emotional connection to it anymore. And to your point, you kind of have to not have that, but right. it forces you to go back there because I did write one anecdote between me And I was in one abusive relationship in my life, in my 20s. And um, I don't think about it anymore. But when I was writing it, I started to get really angry. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is so interesting. Like I'm having to like go back into, and I start to remember things that I have not thought about in years. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit. So yeah. I understand that. So when you were confronted to that, you were like, no, I'm not doing yeah. that. Yeah. And and like we talked about a little bit on on my podcast episode with you, there's like, you also have to have empathy for your family members or for my mom or something. Yeah. And I was like, eh, not quite there. Right. You're yet. not there yet. Yeah. So this is not the book. So I was like, all right, I'm scratching that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give the people what they want. They follow me for like dating and relationship advice. I'm going to go ahead and do that. And the first part of the book is like focused on like, this is who you can blame for all of your relationship problems, which I love to blame everybody except for myself. (laughs) And then like, sort of like wrap up that first part with like, but like, even though it's fun to blame everybody, you're the one that's responsible for all your shit sort of thing. So how do we take ownership of that and like go a little bit? And then it goes into like all the different stages of dating, the 
first getting out there, getting on the apps or not getting on the apps, what you put on your profile, the talking stage, first dates, honeymoon, what happens when you get past the honeymoon stage. Then oh, this like, is great. Sex problems, conflict problems, how to have like a good, strong, long-term relationship, how to end the relationship, break up with someone ethically, and then how to like stay single for a bit or dive back in. So it's like a self-help relationship dating advice book. And I am very funny. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Well, I'm trying yes. to be very funny the whole time. And I'm also writing it with my ex-wife. So I was married for seven years and my ex-wife was always my writing partner so we wrote it together and it's written in my voice, but she comes in every now and then to check me or to like make I think fun that's of me. Great. It works. I yeah, think that's great. Really I think that's really great that you wrote it with your ex. First of all, that's such a meaningful story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. First, I want to ask you, like, what do you think of the current dating landscape? Do you think it's actually much different than it was five, 10 years ago? Like what has changed? What has made things very difficult? Do you believe in the apps? Do you think people should be meeting others more organically? What are your thoughts? I mean, I think the apps have like, have really taken over compared to five, 10 years ago, and especially whatever, 20 or so years ago when I started dating 30 years ago. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was dating in the 90s. I feel like when the apps first came out, they were like this fun novel, like this is how you're going to find out who is in your area. And there wasn't like algorithms like there mm -hmm. are on apps now. And I think these like algorithms have totally fucked it up. And I think that like the tech bros or Silicon Valley or all the investors in the dating apps have like fucked up what used to be kind of like a cute new novel, modern way to meet people. Now there's like, I don't know if you've seen this. There's been videos on TikTok about this, but this has been happening a while on Hinge where like, if you want to send somebody a rose on Hinge, you get one free rose a week and you can like pay for more roses. And a rose is like a super like, like I really like you and I'm at the top of your pile and you have to see my profile. And if you want to talk to people that would be like a really good match that like Hinge or the algorithm says would be like a really good fit for you, they lock them in what they call rose jail. Those people are not accessible unless you pay a rose in order to see their profile and send them a message. No so, way. Hinge and all the other apps are doing this. Like they know now who would be a good match for you and they're making you pay for it. And so now we're seeing like some of the younger, like I feel like millennials are just like, whatever, dating apps are a necessary evil and this is what we have to do. When the Gen Zers are like, do we have to do this though? Like, mm -hmm. can't we maybe like meet IRL or they're actually like meeting through not dating apps like Fortnite or something like they're just like meeting through their avatars in slightly oh, different God. ways or like sliding in the DMs a little more often. Mm -hmm. So I've been seeing that there's like more of a pushback rebellion against the dating apps. I've been seeing that the dating apps are a little worried that they're not getting the younger Genzers to sign up anymore. So there's like a little bit of panic and it's going to be interesting to see what the next move is. The only app that I don't think has an algorithm is Bumble. Oh, uh, interesting. Bumble's just like, here's everyone in your area. This is chaotic. Good luck. Like, <laughs> which is sort of like ridiculous, like all the people that you can get matched with, but it's better because if mm -hmm. you spend enough time, you can actually like see all the people in your area instead of them being locked behind some sort of paywall. You know what I mean? A couple of my clients had success expanding their, the terrain. So in other mm -hmm. words, like it's not just about who lives like right near me, but I'm willing to like meet someone who lives maybe like an hour away from me. Mm -hmm. And they met like the people who they're going to marry actually. That's the thing is that like the things that dating apps can filter for are not important mm -hmm. when it comes down to it. Like you can filter for distance, which is something, but it like you would drive an extra 15 minutes for the love of your life. You can filter for height, which is like yes. a little, who fucking cares? Yeah, like, seriously. You're not even going to think about that if you're meeting someone in real life at a bar, yeah. like really. All the stuff that can be filtered for, most of the stuff that can be filtered for is actually not that important. And I think that people are catching on. And I think that apps are trying to respond to that in a way of like, this is how we can like match you based on whatever values or interests or hobby mm -hmm. or something like deeper, real chemistry, but they haven't figured that out. And I'm not right. sure they ever will figure it out. So I like to see them flailing.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Three biggest mistakes people make on the apps and or just in dating. I feel like we need to maybe talk more about like the cost of admission. Like there's always going to be something that you don't like about a person. For me, it's like if you're going to date me, I have like a really poor memory. I'm very absent minded. And this is the cost of admission. I'm going to forget what we talked about last night. I'm always going <laughs> to really? forget my keys. Yes. And I think it's like very endearing and cute. But if you dated me, you'd be like, come the fuck on. Like this is. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, interesting. Yeah. Is it selective? It, it's very selective. Yeah. And so if I'm talking to a client, I am hyper-focused on them. I'm taking notes. Yeah. I have this like very specific relationship with them and I'm mm -hmm. remembering everything. But if it's anybody else, I'm just like, I don't even know. Where am I? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think that some people experience certain costs of admission to yeah. people and they're just like, forget it. I'm going to get back on the apps because there's an endless supply of people that I can meet. So I don't mm. think that people are sticking it out uh, as much as they should. And I think you've talked about too, let's like put everything on the table and then end the relationship. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing. The, uh, I mean, this has been said to death, so I won't spend too long on it. And I think this is changing as well. But the spark is probably like overvalued. There's like a difference between like green flag chemistry and red flag chemistry. Let's green talk flag about that. I think people need yeah. to know the difference between green flag chemistry and red flag chemistry. Let's yeah. go there. I mean, so red flag chemistry is so fun, but it's chaotic. <laughs> it's unpredictable. I have no idea what's going to happen. There's like so much intermittent reinforcement where like sporadically you're being you're you're being given these dopamine hits. There's like love bombing. You're not going to see them for five days and all of a sudden you're gonna. There's like really hot sex maybe because like and the sex is hotter because like you're just like, when are we going to do this again? So there's just like so much unpredictability that can create like this chemistry. And that's more red flag chemistry in my opinion. Green flag chemistry is still really sweet and wonderful and ooey and gooey. Not as exciting though sometimes. But green flag chemistry is more like I can show up as my authentic self I mm -hmm. feel really seen. It feels safe enough for me to express my feelings and needs, even if I feel embarrassed or humiliated. I can, we have like similar values, similar hobbies, similar interests. It's more of like birds that flock together, stay together instead of opposites attract sort of mm -hmm. thing. So it feels safe. Yes. But I also think that green flag energy is, I also like how this person smells. I like how, I mean, you, you need to like each other's smell. You can't have sex with someone if you don't like their smell. Like You've never had sex with someone where like they're a little stinky and then you eventually enjoy no, that smell? No, I've had that, sex that with people happened. who are stinky, but I think their stink is hot. <laughs> <laughs> For whatever reason, I'm like, bring it. I love it. But if I am repelled by your smell, we are not having sex. Like that's never going to yes. happen. Yes. So I think that smell is a big part of it, pheromones. And I think you need to like the person's touch. I totally agree. My friend, Dr. Scott Lyon, who wrote a book, Addicted to Drama, he talks about the red flag chemistry is the trauma tingles, <laughs> which I think is very clever. Mm -hmm. I think that also a lot of the red flag chemistry comes from, there's an immaturity behind it, which is like, oh, I'm just so like, this person is just like the movie character, fill in the blank, that mm -hmm. I've had a crush on. I mean, mm -hmm. we do this, even if it's mm -hmm. unconscious, that I've had a crush on my whole life and they're just like it, this person. And right. nothing is going to stop me from getting this person. Yeah. For me, it's the God, the Princess Bride movie where it's of like course. the hero, uh, that guy, the, like, he was so hot and cool and, yes. and and then like the princess is just like this damsel in distress like sort of yeah, thing who's like, that actress she was married to sean penn so robin wright penn yes that was yes. like her first introduction to the world she was very beautiful and i forgot his name 
Oh God, he's a British actor, but yes, yeah. he was totally yeah, I'm the whole thing. On it too. I'm, I'm, yeah, well, she was my first crush. That was uh-huh. like my first like this is what like the relationship dynamic should be when I grow <laughs> up, and so so that was my red flag chemistry. Right, is that like I was seeking that like very exaggerated sort of relationship. So the chemistry stuff is something that we should think about and pay attention to. I'm trying to think of, yeah, the last one. I mean, you already gave us so much, so. No, I want to give you something else. Okay, okay. (laughs) And we'll wrap it up. Yeah, the last one, I wonder, I want to like give like some sort of like controversial answer here (laughs) that I'm, I don't know if I'm like 100% behind it, but I'm going to like. I'm not going to like shame anybody for the type of relationship that they want to have. Mm-hmm. However, I think that there is like for the people that want a monogamous relationship, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of like toxic monogamy messages that have been passed down through these sorts of movies and Hollywood and society of like, you should get all of your needs met from your person and mm-hmm. nobody else. Or, but this is new, Jeff. This is new. This is not something that older generations dealt with. The right. real monog was just like, we have family that knows each other. Mm-hmm. We're going to make babies together. You are like, this makes sense. Like we have a certain role in the world. So this new thing that you're, which I think is in line with soulmate twin flame. Oh, this no. is a very current thing mm-hmm. that I it agree is. can be very dangerous in people's expectations. Right. Yes. So it sets up these expectations, whether it's emotional, spiritual, mental, mm-hmm. or physical. I forget every physical need, every emotional need, every all the Not needs met from this one person. Right. So like, if that is what you want and your partner wants that too, then I love that for you. But ask yourself, where does this idea come from? Does this actually resonate with you? And do you want it? And would you be open to something that isn't like prepackaged thing that has been passed down for generations? Yeah. So yeah, just ask I, yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's very valid and important. Jeff, where can people find you? Oh, they can find me all over the internet. I'm going viral all the time, babe. So you could look for a Therapy Jeff at Instagram or TikTok. You can go to therapyjeff.com. You can pre-order my book, Big Dating Energy, comes out yes. in July. Yeah, those are the places you can send me an email at jeff at therapyjeff.com. I'm always looking for like inspiration for more content. Wonderful. Oh, and you can find me on my podcast, Big Dating Energy. Of course, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, I thank you for your contribution to people's lives, to the work that you do, including mine. And Mm. I thank you for coming on the show. And I look forward to a conversation in the future. Yes, 100%. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Jillian on Love. I do hope that you enjoyed it. Please reach out to me at hello at jillianonlove.com. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know if you have any questions. I designed this podcast for you, so I do want to hear from you. You know, you never know whose life you could be changing by just clicking the share button. There was just one thing that struck you or you think, oh, my friend really needs to hear this. Click share because again, when you share, that's how we change lives and that's how we get more and more people to step up in their lives and uh, break generational trauma and have healthier relationships. So once again, thank you for listening and until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Shin Yin Hu. Editing and music by Will Tendy. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking portrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade. And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.